0: Hey guys, this is Rocky, and you're listening to the God Loves Miami podcast. I want to welcome you to today's episode, and I also want to encourage you to follow us on social media at God Loves Miami on Instagram and Facebook, so that you can find out all that we are about and what God is calling us to do in our city. And now here's Pastor Mark. It's been an amazing year. Uh, It's been an incredible, incredible, incredible year. God has done so much. We've fed thousands of people um, as a church, homeless, uh, people that uh, don't have food. Uh, we've, uh, we've partnered with schools in the community and painted and built things. And people have even broken parts of their body, fingers and stuff, and they're still here, you know. Um, I saw a picture from our grand, open, our grand opening last year, and everyone that was in the picture with me, this group of about 30 people, they're all still here, which that's a great thing. That's a great testament. I haven't scared anybody away yet. Um, and, uh, and it's just, like, breathtaking to just see so many people give their lives to Christ, get baptized, and, and uh, it's only been a year. Sometimes Leilani and I talk, and it, it feels like it's been, like, 10 years. And then we're like, oh my gosh, it's only a year. Or it's gone by so fast. And so we're extremely, extremely grateful. But as I was looking at pictures from the church, I got to a section on my phone. And some of you have this where you delete like years of pictures, right? So there's like five years in my phone that I'm missing pictures of my kids and stuff. And then I saw two pictures of me and my boys. David, do you have that? Right, that's me and Caleb and Joshua, that's me in the middle there when I was sporting some type of weird facial hair. Um, And the Miami Heat had just won the 2013, uh, Rodney gave me that hat, 2013. Um, And as I was looking at that picture, we're preparing to celebrate this one year, it's like, man, time has gone by so fast. And now my kids think they're cool, right? And they talk back to me sometimes or pretend that I'm outdated and I don't know what I'm talking about. And I remembered the first time that I celebrated the 4th of July with my boys. The little boys, were like two or three, three or four. They're always close in age. Or I guess they're going to be close in age for their entire lives. And, and so we, uh, we went to buy fireworks, right? And I'm like, boys, you want to you wanna light up some fireworks? And they're like, oh, yeah. You think mommy will let us do it? And I'm like, I think so right, she's going to give us a big speech, just be ready for that, and then we're going to go have a lot of fun, and so I went to the best place to go buy fireworks, I went to Publix, right, and I bought this like $35 firework deal, and, and, and from the moment we got into the store, like these kids were like fighting over the, ba- the box, and trying to open the box up, and, and then puppy, and they both found lighters, you know, because Publix, you got to put lighters a little higher up, because my three-year-old got a lighter in your store, right, and and, and I'm like, guys, we don't light fireworks out in a supermarket, and we got to pay for them first. And so, I think most parents will relate with me. Like, you know, when you get your kids something, they're like, "Can I open it now? I want to know. When can we light the fireworks?" I'm like, "It's 10 a.m. We got to wait until it's dark." But the entire day, every single time we did anything, Poppy, I did pee pee. Can I light the fireworks? Where I'm like, "No, you can't light the fireworks yet." And finally, it got dark, and I was super excited, you know, because every man inside was just a little boy that wants to burn stuff and smash stuff. And so we get to the point where we're going to light the fireworks. I move the cars. We're in the driveway of the house. I've laid out the fireworks. And I tell the boys, you got to step away a little bit. And I get my giant lighter, way bigger than I really needed, and, and, and I go up. And I light the first, like the smallest firecracker that I bought from my box from Publix, and this thing starts bah, 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 bah. And the boys immediately freak out and run into the house. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like you know, and and, and I run in after them, and I, I'm like, they're gonna go tell on me, and I'm gonna get in trouble, right? I must have done something wrong. And and they're hiding in a corner, and they're like, Bobby, don't light any more fireworks. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, come on, let's do it one more time. It's okay. I'm like, no, 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 no. Bobby. it was like if bombs were going off. My son Caleb is a little dramatic. He's like, forget it. I don't want to light up any more firecrackers. And, and I was a little heartbroken because I had waited for this moment. And maybe I rushed it a little too much. But I felt bad because they had been so excited all day to light this firework deal that I bought. And I felt so bad for them because they couldn't experience What they wanted to see. You see, they were scared. They were full of fear. We all have moments like that in our life when we're scared. Sometimes we're we're scared of, of things and sometimes we're embarrassed about the things we're scared of. You're probably sitting here, I'm not scared of anything. Even the manliest man or bravest mom in this room is scared of something. I remember the day I found out that my wife was scared of roaches. I'm like... Babe, come on. I grew up and roaches used to crawl all over me when I was a kid. I'm not scared of roaches. You didn't have roaches in your house growing up? And she's like, no. I'm like, okay, so I'll call the exterminator. See, we've all had moments in our life when we've been scared. We've all been scared. I actually looked up, like, what are some of the most common fears that people have? And, and spiders, right, are, are something that a lot of people fear, that have fear of heights, there's a guy that said, I don't want to serve in the setup ministry anymore because I have to walk across the bridge every, every Sunday. And so, you know, he's uh, setting up chairs now. He's not crossing the bridge. See, there's people that are scared of closed spaces. I am extremely claustrophobic. And I came up the elevator with like 20 of my closest friends. I was kind of scared. There's people that are scared of snakes, like Indiana Jones, people that are scared of water. My daughter, Stella, is scared of water. We got to force that girl to take a bath every day. All right? Storms, crowds. There's some things that you know what? You're never going to shake. You're going to be scared of for the rest of your life. I am scared of the dark. I'm embarrassed. You're like, el grandulon ese, scared of the dark. Yes, I'm scared of the dark. That big guy is scared of the dark. Right? Even at night when I go say goodnight to my kids, I'm like walking around the house with the light on on my phone because I'm scared of the dark. And you see, there's things in life that you should be scared of. Like jumping in front of a car. Be scared of that. Okay? Playing with a lion. Be scared of that. Okay? That's something that God has given us to protect us from dying. Proverbs 22 says this, a prudent man sees danger and takes refuge. But the simple keep going and suffer for it. See, fear has its place. But fear can become overwhelming It could even become sinful. Yeah, I went there. Why? Because fear causes us to doubt the promises of God. Fear causes us to disbelieve the power of God. It keeps us from stepping out in faith to the places that God is leading us. And you know what? The devil loves a fearful Christian. Fear is one of Satan's number one tools. It reminds me of this part of scripture where the disciples are on this boat and they're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and this storm breaks out and these guys are freaking out, grown men freaking out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And then on the distance they see something approaching and they start crying like a bunch of little babies. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. And I'm sure there was water coming inside of the boat. That boat's getting rocked sideways. And these guys see something coming on the water and they start screaming, it's a ghost. And then in Matthew 14, 27, it says, don't be afraid, take courage, I am here. Jesus shows up in the middle of the storm and rescues them and saves them. And as I think of this story and I read this story, what stands out to me, it's not what stood out to me when I was in Sunday school as a a young kid. Jesus walking on water, wow, wow. That must have been so cool. I did. I thought it was so cool. It was so cool that I remember one vacation. I'm in South Beach at a pool with my parents. I must have been 13 years old. And I remember just looking at the water and saying, God, I know that I could be a testimony for you. All right. This true story. I know I could be a testimony for you. Just let me one time just, just go and take a step into the water and everyone's going to see me because everyone's out here right now. All my friends are going to see me here at this hotel. I'm going to step into the deep part of the pool so there's no excuse that I am walking on water. And I prayed and I got pumped up. I psyched myself out and I walked to the deep part of the pool. I take one step and guess what happened? The biggest belly flop you'd ever see. But God answered part of my prayer. Everyone saw me. And for the rest of the vacation, everyone will say, he has his stomach all red, look at that dummy. Fell into the pool, like walked right into the pool. You see, me walking on water, that would be crazy. I'm not blown away about Jesus walking on water. In the book of Genesis, it says that he floated upon the waters. He's been doing that for a while. He made the water. What blows me away is the fact that the disciples were freaking out. You see, in Matthew 14, these guys have been with Jesus for a while. They've seen Jesus heal the blind, heal the lepers. Actually, as a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 8, these very same guys were in a boat, real similar to the boat that they were in. And Jesus was in the boat with them, and guess what? He calmed the storm. This wasn't an original thing. And minutes before, maybe hours before, they see Jesus walking on the water, they were part of an incredible miracle, one of the greatest miracles in the New Testament. Jesus got five pieces of bread and two fish, multiplied it, and fed 5,000 men, which is probably 20,000 people. Five pieces of bread and two fish. And guess who passed out the bread and the fish? The babies that were in the boat crying and whining, were are going to die, and now a ghost is coming to kill us. You see, a storm breaks out and they lose all hope. The same thing happens to us so many times when we have problems in our lives. When storms break out in our families, in our homes, in our workplace, in our marriages, we forget the God that we serve. We forget that Jesus has rescued us. We forget the many times that he has brought peace into our life, into our midst, into our home, into our situation. In the middle of the storm, you see the same way that the disciples forgot about the way that Jesus commanded the storm, in Matthew chapter 8, we forget so many times, the times that Jesus blesses our lives and has been there for us time and time again. Today we step out into a new season, a new year as a church, and we walk into season two of Love Unlimited, amen? And I want us to be ready for the storms. I want us to be ready for incredible victories. But it's not always going to be easy. It hasn't been easy. But God has been with us every single step of the way. One of my favorite parts in the New Testament is Romans chapter 8. And in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul reminds us of the love and the blessed assurance that we have in Jesus. Roman chapter 8, verse 31 says this, What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Say that with me. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Paul starts saying here in this passage, What then shall we say of these things? What things is Paul talking about? You see, in chapter 8 of Romans, it says that we're not condemned. It says that we are set free to serve God. We are adopted into His family, and now we have a close relationship with Him. That when we suffer, we are changed. Let me say that again. When we suffer, when we go through trials, we're not destroyed. We are changed. And that we have a helper. How many of you need a helper? I mean, just plain helper in your. I I need a helper. I need like 10 helpers, right? But we have the helper of helpers. The helper of helpers, the Holy Spirit that is with us. And when we're confronted with obstacles and situations that make us scared, that fear comes into our lives, that we look at fear in the face and we say, you know what? Fear is a liar. And I am more than a conqueror in Jesus' name. You see, you know what I love about the Holy Spirit too? Is that when we can't pray, it's one of the biggest things that God has revealed to me in the last 11, 12 years since my father passed away, that when I don't know how to pray, when I felt completely disconnected from God because I would close my eyes and nothing would come out of my mouth that the Holy Spirit intercedes for me in ways, utters for me, cries out for me that that I couldn't even imagine. So maybe you're in a situation right now, you close your eyes, nothing comes out. Don't give up because the Holy Spirit is interceding for you at this very moment. You're probably looking at your situation and saying, I have no hope. This has no hope. I can't pray. I can't talk to God. Let me tell you, just close your eyes. Trust in the Lord, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is interceding for you in this very moment. He prays for us when we don't know how and orchestrates events that God's good comes out of even every bad situation. So if you are in a bad situation now, brace yourself because something bigger and greater is about to happen. And so, in light of that, then he asked the question if God is for us, who can be against us? Paul is reminding us here in the book of Romans that God is on our side. God is on your side. I want you to say this to me. God is on my side. Say it again. God is on my side. All right, imagine showing up to any basketball court in the city of Miami. And you walk out of your car. And maybe you're the most out-of-shape person here. You're wearing your, your gym clothes from from high school, and you get out of your car, and all these ballers are there and they're playing ball and no one wants to play with you. And then you go, yo, come out of the car. LeBron James steps out of your car. You say, LeBron is on my side. Everybody's be like, Oh my gosh, I want to be on his team. God is on your side, and he's bigger than the so-called king of basketball. Okay? God is on your side and God loves you. And so you need to remember that God. Is for you. When you feel that the world is against you, remember that God is for you, that God loves you, that God wants to use you, that God wants to forgive you of those things that hurt you and pain you. When you remember what you've done, you're not condemned. You are loved by God. And God has incredible plans for you, amazing plans in store for you. And he's ready for you to enjoy them. But you know why we don't enjoy them many times? Because we are fearful because we are anxious, because we don't want to realize who God really is. I'm going to say that again. We are fearful, and we don't walk into the places that God has in store for us because we don't want to realize who God really is. And the main reason is because Satan is lying to you. The devil is lying to all of us, and he's telling us that you're not good enough. He's reminding us of the mistakes that we've made. He's reminding us of the bad choices that we've made. See, a fearful person is someone who's always worrying. And the last thing that you want to do is take a step of faith and try something that maybe you've never tried before. Because you're worried that you're going to mess up. You're going to mess up. It's okay. God is for you. Remember that every time you mess up, God is for you. And you know why we also get worried it's because of our friends. It's because of our family. Many times we don't want to take a step of faith and fulfill what God is calling us to do because we don't, we don't want people to see us. Many of us will never even sign up to serve at church because we're like, I, I don't want to tell my friends like I can't go party today because I got church tomorrow and I got to serve. Like Some of us, we, we, we don't allow God to use us. There's people that, that won't take a step and be baptized because They're scared about what other people are gonna say. Many times we're scared to tell people about our faith. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is prompting us and and to share, pray for that person, talk to that person, and, and we're scared. I've been there, we've all been there. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I just wanna compare that to this. How many times have we listened to like a dirty joke that we know we shouldn't listen to? And it's people around us, and but man, if I walk away right now, everyone's gonna be like, where are you going, goody two shoes? Where are you going, you Christian? Right? How many times have we been part of tremendo chisme, a big gossip, and we're like, like slobbering all over, like, tell me more. I want to know more. And we don't feel bad about that. You see, God wants us to trust Him and have faith in Him regardless of what the people around you will say and think. As a youth, all right, I, I remember going to church and my parents would walk in and they'd go to the left, I'd go to the Right? If next Sunday they went to the right, I'd go to the left. And it wasn't because I wanted to be in the back playing on my phone, you know, texting or doing something with my friends. The reason why that I I went to the other side is because I actually wanted to hear and I wanted to worship. But I was embarrassed because on the way to church, I was fighting with my sister because I misbehaved in school that week and my parents knew about it. And so I felt guilty That they would judge me. Not that they did, but that was just the lie that the enemy was feeding me from standing with my family united and worshiping. And I know you guys struggle with it. Some of you probably fought in the car on the way here. And when Johnny was saying, raise your hands and worship God. And you're like, yeah, I want to do it. But my wife is going to think I'm a hypocrite. My husband, my kids, they're going to think, and you know what? It doesn't matter. Do what God is prompting you to do because God is on your side. God is for you, and he spared no expense to have you as his own. He gave us Jesus. So if God is for you, who can be against you. It's like going to the playground with a big brother. You know what happens when you go to the playground with your big, stronger brother? Nobody messes with you. Nobody picks on you. I know that to be true. You know why? Because I didn't have a big brother. And I remember wishing I had a big brother when people were picking on me and making fun of me and not picking me to be on their kickball team. I'm like, man, if I just had a big brother like him, so you don't have to live life like that. God is with you. Who is he that condemns? The devil is the one that condemns you. It's not your wife, it's not your husband, it's not your teacher. People that tell you that you're no good. People that tell you that you can't do it. They're being used by the enemy to lie to you, to confuse you, to keep you from doing what God wants you to do. You see, if I was translating this in my Miami Cuban dialect, I would say, who the heck does the devil think he is? To talk to me like that, to tell me those things, to tell me that I'm not good enough, to tell me that I'm too old. You know that someone said I was too old to be a church planner? Can you believe that? That's crazy. But I believed it. You can't believe it, but I did. And I remember, like, talking to a counselor, like, he said, I'm too old to start a church. And that was the enemy speaking to me through somebody else. You see, 2 Corinthians says this about this joker. Who does he think he is? It says, and no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. You know why he has to wear a mask? Because he's a pretender. Because he's a faker that must submit to the authority of God. Authority that you have been given through Jesus and in Jesus' name. The power of God the greatest God, the splendor of God outweighs anything that the devil can ever do or lie to you about. You see, there's a lot of people that have this fake mentality that the devil is like an equal nemesis to God. He's nothing. He is a scrub. He is a pretender and nothing that he does to you, no attacks that he throws at you are strong enough to hold you down. All he can do is lie to you and try to scare you. Romans continues and says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or peril of sword, as it is written, for your sake we're killed all day long. We are counted as sheep From the slaughter, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And Paul gives us examples of tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, a sword, attacks, all these bad, terrible things. But you have the assurance that those things, that nothing can separate you from the love of God. So wherever you are today, let that burn in your soul and in your mind that regardless of what you do... The dumb things that we do, even we cannot separate ourselves from the love that God has for us. Do not fear. You see, and Paul not only encourages us and tells us not to give up, he tells us that we win. Could you imagine going into any situation with the assurance that you are a winner? That you've already won? You're going into battle and be like, yo, bro, you're going to sweat a little bit. You may bleed a little bit. But you won. You have the victory. Check this out. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I don't know about you, but that's something to be excited about. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, the future, nor heights, nor depths, no other created things shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Can I hear an amen? You are more than a conqueror. And that sounds super cool, but many of us have no idea what more than a conqueror means. My youth pastor taught me this and I tweaked it a little bit. More than a conqueror is the wife of a boxer. You're probably thinking, okay, here he goes again. Why is more than a conqueror the wife of a boxer? I'll tell you why. This guy goes 12 rounds, makes millions, gets the snap beaten out of him. He's like pff, totally deformed, bleeding, scarred, all sutured up, getting massaged, visiting the chiropractor after the fight. Yeah, his bank account, millions and millions and millions and millions. Or is it billions and billions? All right. If, you know, you follow the president, you know what I'm talking about, the memes and stuff. But Billions and billions, all right. All this money in the bank. And he can't move for days, maybe weeks. And you know what more than a conqueror is doing? She's on Amazon. She's ordering new jewelry. She's in the mall. She's remodeling the house. It's like, and the winner is ding, 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 ding. And she calls the designer. All right, tear the room down. I want a new floor. Make the pool bigger. All right. Remodel the yacht. We just won billions and billions and billions That is what more than a conqueror is. You are more than a conqueror. Every single one of us. Christ died on the cross, paid the price for us, and says, you know what? I paid the price. Now you have life. Now you are more than a conqueror in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so how do I conquer fear, Mark? Trust in God. Stop freaking out. Stop focusing on your problem. Stop focusing on your situation and put your focus on Jesus and the promises that you have, the promises that he has given us through his death and resurrection. Psalm 118 says this, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? All right. A more older translation says, what can mere mortals do to me? God is on your side. What can some punk kid in your school, what can some annoying person do to you? Nothing. God is on your side. The king of kings, the lord of lords, by the way, the one that created the person that's driving you nuts, the one that at the flick of his finger can like put that guy to rest, he's on your side. And so when you look at them like inside, don't be rude, just laugh. Just be like, and walk away and know that you're more than a conqueror, all right? Because fear grows when we give into it, but it lessens when we move against it, when we take steps of faith. The second thing we need to do is turn your fear over to God. What is it that you're scared of? What is it that's conquering you at this moment and say, God, it's yours. It's not mine anymore. 2 Timothy 1 says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. That is what God has given you. Fear is not of God. As a matter of fact, this says that perfect love drives out all fear. And what is perfect love? It's a father giving up his son to die on the cross for you and for me. That is perfect love. That is what God gives us. First Peter 5, 7 says that God cares for you. So turn all your worries over to him. Start thinking about what you're worried about. So that today we can surrender those things to God. And then third, stand on the promises of God. Right now, today, stand on the promises of God. Joshua 1.5, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. I memorized this when I was a kid. And I encourage you to memorize this. It says, I will be with you and I will not leave you nor forsake you. That is God's promise to you. Friends are going to let you down. Your family's going to let you down, your spouse is going to let you down. I am going to let you down. but God will never leave you, and God will never forsake you. Standing for God is victory over <laughs> our fears. Standing up for the principles of God for what you know to be true, for what's written in the Bible, that is victory over fear. And so that means if you are in a moment, fear, you say, you know what, I am standing on the promises of God that God is never going to leave me and God is never going to forsake me. And this last one, man, I I wish I wasn't telling this illustration. I'm 41 years old. I'm going to turn 42 in a couple weeks. You could ask my wife for all the details and my Amazon wish list. Um, But in just the last 21 days as a church, we fasted, right? And... uh, The first week, for me, it was a liquid fast, and so it was just like broth and coffee and some other liquids and stuff, like, you know, chicken breast, like liquefied and steak liquefied. No, just kidding, but I joked about that. It was just liquid. It was the craziest thing. But you know what I realized? Because this is what fasting does. It kind of like prompts you to pray, prompts you to worship, prompts you to spend time with God. I was worshiping all day. I was praying all day, which means I'm hungry all the time, which means I need to pray more. I realized how much I need to work on my prayer life because I was shocked by like, man, I'm praying again. You know, here I go. I'm praying again. You know, and I saw God do some incredible things in my life and the lives of the people of our church. And we need to all, including starting with me, we need to spend more time with Jesus in prayer. As parents, you know what I realized That I wasn't doing a great job praying with my kids like one time a day when I remember it's not good enough. We need to pray more. We need to be on our knees more as a family with God alone and not just praying because sometimes all we do is blah, blah, blah and we talk and we talk and we talk and we pull out our, our laundry list of things we need God to do. Okay, check in Jesus' name and we walk out. You know what we also need to do? Shut up and listen to God. The Bible teaches us to be still and know that I am God. Be still in the presence of God and allow him to speak to you. See, today, you know what we're celebrating? We're celebrating victory. Today we're celebrating the day that I stopped being scared. The day that my wife and I stopped being scared and started being obedient to God. I I shared this verse during the worship. My wife shared it with... um, our our servant team this morning in our morning meeting and and um and we shared it as part of the fast and again it's Isaiah 43 and it says this forget the former things let me tell you something about your past you can't change it the only thing you could do with your past is surrender it to God and receive his forgiveness that's all you can do with your past you can't change it the only thing you could change is the future The only thing you could change is where am I going to go today? Where am I going to walk today? What is the decision that I'm going to make today that's going to make my home better, my family better, my relationship with God better? Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. And now it springs up. Don't you perceive it. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. When I was 10 years old, I was in church. And uh, I went to a church where there was like service like every day. Um. And, and that's not bad, by the way, because um, it kept me from making a lot of stupid mistakes when I was growing up. And, and so we had gone to church in the morning, served Sunday school, you know, the after church lunch. You go home for like 40 minutes and then you're back to church, right? And then your mom is like, change, I don't want them to think that you didn't take a bath, but you really didn't take a bath, you just changed, right? So I'm back at church. And um, there's a guest preacher preaching, and remember, I didn't like sitting with my parents because... I'd fight with my sisters and do bad stuff at home, and I wanted to pray and worship and not feel guilty. So I'm sitting inside of the church towards the front, kind of like around there in the church that I was in, traditional pews, and in the middle of the message, I, I felt God's kind of like do something in me, and I put my head down, and God showed me like a vision of me as a, an adult, and it was my back, and I was preaching in a room, Full of adults, and I was like ten, okay, and um, and the other weird thing is that it was in black and white, right, and 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 then after I saw this, I start crying. I run out of the church because I don't want my parents to see me crying and having a connection with God, right, and so I'm trying to compose myself. I'm in the bathroom throwing water in my face, and I sneak back into the church. I'm sitting in the back of the church, and now the pastor of the church he's closing the service and says, "I've never done this before." Um, but I'm going to ask this young man to come up and, and pray. And he says that I'm 10. I'm not, I'm not a young man. And he's looking for me because he had seen me. And now he's like, "Maquito, Mark, where's Mark? Where's little Mark? And, uh, and I'm like, what did I do? I'm sorry I walked out, you know, the middle of service. <laughs> like, he goes, I want you to come up here and close the service in prayer. And so I kind of walk up and I get on the stage and, and I pray. And when I'm done praying, nothing happens. I just go back to my seat, service is over. But at that moment, God kind of put a stamp on that thing that I experienced, the vision, the crying, that it was God. And I remember telling people about it. And so two days after our grand opening uh, last year, I get this picture. Um, They text me this picture. It was the only picture that they sent me in black and white. They had never heard this story. I had stopped telling this story for a while now and uh, many years. I'm old. <laughs> and I'm like, why would you make this picture in black and white? I'm thinking someone had told me, oh, I don't know. I, I saw it and I was color correcting it and it only looked good in black and white. And they sent it to me. And at that moment, I realized that the vision that God gave me when I was 10 years old was being fulfilled. You know, and... Um, And I struggled with fear. I was scared for things because I was comfortable. I had a good salary and insurance and all this stuff lined up. Like most people that would have gotten into the position that I was in, they would have just ridden this train out into the sunset, this gravy train. But I found myself in a place where that wasn't what God had called me to do. And it was great and it is a calling of God, but it wasn't my story. That was my story. And fear was robbing me of that. Being scared of the most mundane thing, finances, and what people are going to say. People are going to think I'm crazy, whatever, all that stuff. When God is for me, when I am more than a conqueror, you see, that's what fear does. Fear robs you of your destiny. Fear robs you of your potential. Yeah, you're saved. You're going to heaven. You've been saved by grace. There's nothing you could do to earn that. But your life on earth can suck. Your life on earth can be horrible if you allow fear to be your capture. If you are a prisoner of fear, you're going to spend eternity with Jesus. Praise the Lord. But your life on earth is just going to be average. Do you remember when you were in kindergarten and they asked you what you wanted to be when you grow up? Which person in your class said... I want to be average. I want to be safe. No, we wanted to be astronauts and soldiers and teachers, the scariest job in the world. We wanted to do incredible things, right? And the older we get, the more knowledge that we get. The Garden of Eden, the more knowledge that we get, the more fearful we become. And then we surrender our destiny. We surrender our future. We choose to be average we choose to just kind of go with the flow and be safe and God says man you're more than a conqueror I have not given you a spirit of fear but of power and love and of a sound mind I'm going to invite you to stand up I'm going ask the band to come up I believe you guys are probably going to say man that's an incredible story did you see that picture it's like freaky like wow what is that And it is, it still freaks me out. And I remember looking at that picture, and there was one day I texted a couple of my friends. I I texted Milo, and Milo was in the picture, and I'm like, bro, you were in that picture when I was 10 years old. God showed me this vision, and here it is in reality, and you're in the picture. So many people that I love in that picture. But if I would have just been, like, content with being average and safe, There would have been thousands of people that wouldn't have eaten a meal or two this year. There's a couple people getting baptized today that found Jesus right here on this blue tarp that grown boys wrestle on almost every day in this school. Found Jesus, the conqueror, the savior in this place because some average person decided, you know what, I'm willing to take a step of faith. What is God calling you to do today? What is the situation that you're in today that does feel like a desert and you need a spring to just burst out in the middle of that dry place? You need a road in the middle of that roadblock. What is it? Let me tell you, Jesus can do it. I said Jesus can do it. Amen? He has the power to do it. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Unless you let it prosper. Unless you let it bind you. Unless you believe the lies. And so I know there's a lot of us in this room, like I was a Christian, playing it safe. I think we need to get a little dangerous this morning and take a step of faith and say, God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I need you to make a way in the middle of this darkness that I'm in right now. And so if you're here... And you're ready to take a step of faith and walk into the unknown with the king of kings and lord of lords and the conqueror and the victor and the only person that death could not tie down. If you're ready, all the odds are for you, by the way. If you're ready to take a step of faith and say, God, whatever you ask of me, yes, I'm ready. And you're going to be scared, but you know what's awesome? He's in the boat with you. Yeah, the waves are going to rock you sometimes. You're going to probably fly out of the boat one day, but he's in the boat and he'll put you back on the boat. There's some of you, Jesus is on the boat, we're all on the boat and you're kind of paddling a little bit next to the boat. There's some of you today, that's where you are. And you got your eyes on Jesus, but like every once in a while you're going underwater. Today I challenge you, take a step of faith, surrender your heart to God 100% and watch him move and transform your life. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this podcast has ministered to you and you would like to help us continue reaching people that need to be inspired by the word of God, please consider making a donation at GodLovesMiami.com. That's GodLovesMiami.com. And we'll see you next time on the God Loves Miami podcast.